The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Today FM. It all happens here. So for the week trending, we're joined by author Adele Coffey and by Damien McLaughlin, Professor of Marketing at the UCD Smurfit Business School. And start with first, please, Adele, with a story that the Irish Examiner has broken in relation to visitors to the Great Blasket Ireland off the coast of Kerry and their toilet behaviour. Oh yeah, this is um this is kind of a sad story. Um, one of the two homes of Peg Sayers, um, who lived on the Great Blasket Island. I'm sure a lot of Irish people will uh, remember this. But um, apparently, tourists are going to visit the island, but um, when they get there, there are no public toilets there, and um, so they're using the ruins of one of the house houses Peg lived in um, to to go to the bathroom essentially because a lot of people don't realise that there aren't any public toilets on the island and they're getting caught out essentially. Um, but there's also, there's other behaviour going on. There was um, an incident with a baby seal where a tourist um, was seen picking the seal up and then throwing it into the water and then going back into the water and taking it out and having a selfie taken with it and the seal died later and apparently there's no sort of um, information for tourists about, you know, behaviour around wildlife. And Hold on a second. Do you, do you really need a sign up? Don't pick no, up the seals and so. throw them into the sea and then pick no. them back out to take selfies with them because they might be at harm. No, and obviously, um, and this has been stated by the caretaker of the island, like 99 out of 100 people who go to the island keep their distance and know how to behave around um, wildlife. Um, but uh, unfortunately, this one incident did take place. Um, so, yeah, so it seems like there's a little bit of care and attention needed to be given to the Blasket Islands. Um, the, the OPW, the Office of Public Works, does run it and has been planning to install um, toilets since 2017, I think, but they haven't been installed just yet. But one would think an El Portaloo wouldn't go astray. Or maybe um, just Damien McLaughlin, they could have an outdoor toilet well, sort of a, from the past reconstructed to be put to use. I mean, as a, as a dirty dub, Matt, of course, that one of the attractions of, of, of visiting the wonderful countryside, particularly in that part of the world, is to use dock leaves and so on. Um, <laughs> I seem to remember from my days in the Scouts, but as, oh as uh, given the misery that I, I was subjected to at the hands of Peg Sayers for three years because I was one of those miserable sods who who repeated the Leaving Cert. There's a certain poetry in this for me, Matt, I have to tell you. Uh, Do you uh, think it's a dirty protest? I said, I like, I like, oh, well, you prepared that one, Edel, but it's a beautiful <laughs> one. Well done. So the idea, for me, is another reason to go to the Blasket Islands, I have to say, the absolute misery. Oh. It's the misery of the book, the misery in the book, the misery of Irish for the Leaving Cert. And there's a certain kind of smile on my face when I read this story. <laughs> OK, but tell, would it not be reasonable to say that before you get on the boat to go to the Blasket Islands, just put a sign there to say there are no toilets on the Blasket Islands. If you feel you are going to need to go, don't travel. Or actually the ferry, would the ferry itself not have a toilet on it that people could use either on the way out or on the way back? Yeah, appar- apparently they do actually. Um, there are... I, I don't think all of them. I think some of the ferries have um, toilet facilities. But um, the point is, if, if you're going to an island, y- you know, you'd really hope that there will be somewhere that you can uh, use a oh, facility um, a basic, or at least a basic, be warned about A basic it. human right is to have access yeah. to the bathroom, Matt, in all fairness. The OPW is a fine organisation, fine part of the public service since 2017. It's not as if there's planning objections to it down there, given nobody lives there uh, at, at this stage. There's no reason why you couldn't have And Damien, what about the other thing that Adele told us? Well, which I think is horrific to think of 
wild animals been treated as playthings for selfies? It's it's um, there's some stuff on, uh, about social media, Matt, which is which is terrific in terms of news and sharing and friendships and so on. There's some things which are absolutely disgusting, and this is a, this is part of it. You know, you see somebody on social media with with a with an animal. That animal might be trained. It might be in a zoo. It might be. And I'm not a big fan of zoos either. So you want to get the picture as well. I mean, it's just disgusting. And even if it's only one percent of the visitors, even if it's only a tenth of one percent, it's absolutely wrong. And and people should be prosecuted for it. It's completely and totally unacceptable. We have evidence of who's doing it. It's on their Instagram page or it's on their whatever the whatever the app uh, actually is. It's completely and totally unacceptable. OK, let's move to other things. And Adele Coffey, what a shock it must have been for Prince William's wife, Kate, to be told yesterday that Ireland belongs to the Irish during a Belfast walkabout, particularly after all of the nice treatment the British royal family got uh, during the recent, uh, after the recent death of their Queen Elizabeth. Yeah, so William and Kate um, were on a, a walkabout in, um, <clears throat> in, in Antrim um, yesterday and uh, a lot of people have come out to say hello and to shake their hands and to wish them well, I suppose. And it's, you know, it's a, it's a long awaited visit for many people in Northern Ireland to see William and Kate there. So uh, one woman uh, shook Kate's hand and the video is up online if you want to see it. She shook Kate's hand, very um, affable, actually, and said, you know, it's nice to meet you, but it would be nicer to meet you in your own country or, or words to that effect. And then went on to say um, Ireland belongs to the Irish. Um, and Kate just dealt with it the way, you know, a, a very diplomatic way. She just said thank you and moved on to the next person and shook their hand. So I wouldn't say she was terribly surprised. And I'd say she was actually relieved if that was, you know, the biggest protest that um, she received. Because, you know, I'm sure she's aware of the history of Northern Ireland and um, would would be expecting um, something along those lines on her visit. Because this was on the Antrim Road, Damien, in Belfast, which is a predominantly nationalist area. And indeed, the local Sinn Féin MP for the constituency, John Finucane, was among those who welcomed the royal couple. Yeah. I wonder, though, given they were, Sinn Féin was praised for the generosity of its response to the death of Queen Elizabeth and the welcome it gave to the new King Charles on his visit to Belfast. I wonder if the support for that is necessarily widespread in the nationalist community. I had had the good fortune, Pat, uh, Matt, to visit uh, Belfast for summer holidays last year and we had a lovely time. It's a beautiful place to visit and we did all the sites in the surrounding area. But we also did the Black Taxi Tour, which is wonderful and we don't know what community our driver was from. But he did talk a great deal about the deep, deep divide that still exists uh, between the two communities. Although at a political level, there might be some, you know, I mean, the Sinn Féin playing a blinder around the Queen's death. I, I thought they handled it extremely well uh, in, in terms of us. Um, but of course, you still have this, you still have this low level. But this person had to go out of their way uh, to join a queue to put her hand out. Of course, she had her phone ready to be Instagrammed. Yeah. She had the good sense to, you know, to be polite so she can tell all her friends in the pub or on social media, well, I was polite to her, but I told her my point of view. It's kind of, I thought it was kind of pathetic, particularly as the, the couple were there to, to visit a suicide prevention charity, which is not, uh, is not confined to any, any single community. The, the, also, technically, uh, Matt, of course, uh, the, the royal party were, were in their own country, and I think that's important for us to recognise. I'm as interested in a United Ireland as anybody might be, which is, you know, not particularly interested, to be quite honest with you. Um, but she is technically in her own country. Northern Ireland is part of the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Ireland. People might not like that, but she technically was there. 
But could I, could I come at maybe just from another slightly different angle? Uh, and that is that, um, you know, David Dimbleby today said, why, are, why is the BBC not questioning the monarchy? So here are two, you know, two young people who've given their lives, you know, whether by choice or by birth, and they, they've both done right, it. Right, he guess. by birth, she married she, into and the she, and, she, and by choice, she knew what she was getting into. Um, but nobody asks any questions about them. And I think whatever about questioning now uh, King Charles, because he's an older man, maybe we have some sympathy for him, his mum has died and so on. I think it's personally perfectly reasonable to ask serious questions of a couple who, by virtue of the death of their grandmother, inherited an estate, which is now worth several billions in the Duchy of Cornwall. And what exactly are their plans? Because they could live for another 50, 50 or 60 years and have a constitutional legal role in the United Kingdom. And nobody actually asks any questions uh, of them. So I think they've made some mistakes in their recent uh, visit to the Caribbean. Uh, and I'm not sure they made a mistake here, but I think it's perfectly acceptable for citizens of their own country to ask them hard questions. And uh, I think they should be exposed. Adele, to anything you want to add to that before we take a break? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think the, the monarchy really does need to be questioned. And I found myself um, surprisingly agreeing wholeheartedly with Stacey Solomon, of all people recently, who was speaking on uh, Loose Women after the, the Queen died. And she got a really cold shoulder from her fellow panellists when she basically said, I don't understand why we're all so crazy about these four humans who, you know, and they're like, oh, but the Queen works so hard and she's so dutiful. And Stacey Solomon was like, well, I'd be really dutiful and work really hard too if I, you know, was given all this land and all this money. And, um, but it was really interesting to see, uh, and I know there's that thing of don't speak ill of the dead, but it was very interesting to see the response was, uh, and even the response around the Queen's funeral, you know, had people being arrested for holding signs and stuff mm. that it was ridiculous. Um, I don't know if, if Britain are, are ready to let go of their monarchy yet. OK, Adele Coffey and Daniel, or Damien McLaughlin are staying with us for the week trending. The last word with Matt Cooper. Today FM, it all happens here. We're doing the week trending with the author Adele Coffey and with Damien McLaughlin, Professor of Marketing at the Smurfit Business School. Uh, Damien has upset a number of listeners. How could Damien say that Kate Middleton was in her own country? The north of Ireland was taken by the British Empire. Would he say the same thing if Vladimir Putin visited some of the annexed areas of Ukraine? And another one says, uh, can you point out to your guests that technically Kate was in a country colonised by the British and people are right to highlight that fact? I would suspect your guest would be less cynical if we were a minority group standing up to the monarchy. Let's move on to other issues. Uh, Adele, I'm surprised to hear that you're interested in Kim Kardashian launching a true crime podcast. Yes, I am. I, okay, look, let's, I've never watched Keeping Up with the Kardashians. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. I actually, I have not. And I'm really, I, I would actually like to just to, you know, see what it's all about. But, but why don't you? I've seen it. <laughs> I've, I've had no option. Question. It's sort of left on on a loop in my house by the females in my house. <laughs> I need my children to grow up. <laughs> I didn't say it was um, anything to do with my children. Oh my fairness. Sorry, sorry. You're, you're, I'm really walking you into it here now, Matt. You're going to get into trouble. Um, no, I haven't. But um, I'm interested in um, in her, you know, her recent sort of 
um, activism around uh, the American penal system and trying to get people off death row. Like she had this, um, she helped this a 67 year old woman who was given a life sentence for a drug charge and spent more than two decades in prison until Kardashian came along and helped her essentially. And she's been studying law for some time now. And um, she did this deal with um, Spotify uh, two years ago and she's just um, come out with this new Spotify um, true crime podcast called Kim Kardashian's The System. And it's essentially looking at um, her fight for criminal justice for these people who are um, maybe not wrongfully convicted, but perhaps wrongfully on, you know, death row or um, having extremely punitive um, punishments for uh, disproportionate to their crimes. But um, I actually think that Kim Kardashian is going to um, surprise us all one day. And I, I could actually see her in the <laughs> She will surprise us all one day by doing the right I, I, thing about something. Seriously, I could see her in the Oval Office. Like, don't scoff. You well, know, she was to be there as the the first lady at one point, wasn't she? Was it? Was she the one that's married to the Kanye, to Kanye West, West yeah. who was, uh, you know, a nascent presidential candidate? The, th- the thing I'm surprised about this, Mark, um, Matt, and Annie Dell is that you can say what you like about the Kardashians. They are spot on in in brand terms. I mean, they're really ter- ter- terrific marketing She's people. an amazing businesswoman. But this, um, not as good as her younger sister, who I actually think is a person who you'd actually admire, but this true crime thing is about five years out of date, isn't it? I mean, with that sort of citizen no, journalist still, has gone. still so popular. Ah, God, I, I, yeah, I don't Yeah, no, know. I think our appetite for, for this stuff is endless. It's it really very is. hard to take her seriously about anything. And I think you can say anything you want. I mean, if it was something in the, I don't know, I actually don't know what she's famous for. But I, but this, she's famously famous for nothing. Yeah, she's but if, if she was doing something about fame, or I don't, I didn't, I don't even want to trivialize the beauty industry by saying, you know, if it was something about beauty or whatever, um, maybe you should have some credibility. But okay, I'm going to step law. in. I'm going to step Dead in and defend Kim Kardashian here. Um, I think she's an intelligent woman. I think she's going the right way about things. She's actually studying rather than just spouting off. And I do think she um, has a serious and um, real passion for um, for for justice that she's trying to use her platform of immense well, I think, I think global fame. I think you mentioned before the break um, uh, Loose Women, which is a show I, I, I do admire with three or five, whatever the number of panellists is, intelligent and, and women of, uh, of great achievement. But one of the women, on the, the woman who used to be on EastEnders, I think her name is Nadia. I don't know how to pronounce her second name. She does a parody of Kim Kardashian on her Instagram. I don't know whether you've ever seen it, where she dresses up in the... That is the level that Kim Kardashian is at. I think she's a figure of fun uh, for sensible and intelligent I think people, people are unfair. I think people are unfair to her because of the way she looks and how she speaks. You know, she's got a very sweet female feminine voice. I don't but think I've ever heard I do her think speak, there's actually. more. Yeah. I do think there's more to her than, than meets the eye. Uh, you mentioned the potential for the White House. We had Marina Hyde on the programme with us on Wednesday about her new book, What Just Happened. And she does write in the introduction as well about it was almost an inevitability that somebody from reality television would mm. end up in the Oval Office. So I suppose the logical extension of that is if that is going to be the pathway to power in the future, then why not Kim Kardashian, Adele? Well, precisely. And I'm not saying that I'd be voting for her, but because I feel like I need to row back a little bit here. But still, I do feel like, you know, she... Look Look at who we've seen in the Oval Office in the past. We've seen Ronald Reagan. We've seen Donald Trump. Why not Kim Kardashian? Yeah, I don't think there's any comparison to be made between Donald Trump and Ronald Reagan, just to say that for a second. I mean, I think one was a complete idiot 
uh, and one was a person of considerable political achievement before he was ever elected. Now, whether you liked what he did in, in the... But I mean, they come from a Hollywood background. They come from yeah, an entertainment yeah. background. Do you know what I mean? It's not yeah. beyond the realm. Well, there's of another the listener who makes a very good point about a story we covered with Ian Guider on business during the week that Kim Kardashian has just been fined by the authorities in the United States $1.26 million for pumping and dumping cryptocurrency. Mm. Whatever her good intentions in relation to legal issues, she's been entirely corrupted by money, this listener says. Mm. I, well, I'm sure that is the case. Um, I, I'm not I'm not across that story, but um, it, it's like they're all... They're, is she a billionaire now? I think she is a billionaire, isn't she? I think factor? the sister is the youngest uh, female billionaire in the world at yes. 21 or something. Again, I think yeah. she's a person of enormous uh, achievement. Tells you something about the gene pool, but... Uh, uh, I'm just not sure. I actually think the mother, the mother of the car, I, can't, I don't remember what her name is. She's a person of tremendous achievement as well. But came in the, uh, maybe, I think if she ran for election, maybe as Hillary Clinton did, another woman of tremendous achievement. And let's see, could you get elected to the Senate uh, and uh, and then a run at the White House? But that's not how it works with people. I think like this I conversation has taken a turn, as they say, hasn't it? <laughs> it has. But as another listener says, big Kardashian fan here. Her dad was an amazing lawyer. She studied yeah. to take the bar. She faded. She went back to do it again. And she passed. She's now pursuing her full-blown law degree after getting her baby bar. So just because she was famous before this, why shouldn't she be taken seriously when doing something she's genuinely working I hard agree. towards and she's, if she she's was a man the there's work. no way she'd be judged the way I'm, she I'm is sure she, I'm sure she's making the case that she's using her fame and her law skill in the same boat it just doesn't have a lot of credibility for me madam. I'm afraid Okay Damien I'm really interested I love the idea of chess cheats oh, and wow, the teenage yeah. grandmaster who cheated more than a hundred times Tell us about this story. Well, it, it turns out, Matt, that uh, chess we always thought was a game played by uh, by super intelligent um, nerds in class, but it turns out it's a big it's a big money industry. And Hans Niemann, uh, a nineteen year old American chess grandmaster, has been accused uh, of uh, of cheating more than a hundred times. Now, the mistake that uh, Mr. Niemann appears to have, or allegedly has made is to compete against their world chess champion, Magnus Carlsen. Now, it turns out that Magnus Carlsen is, uh, is do you still call it male model? Or he was a fashion model of some kind of very, very handsome uh, man. and uh, Kind of like Kim Kardashian, you could say. <laughs> you beat me to it, Adele. <laughs> I'm being surrounded. I'm being surrounded today. Um, but actually, I, I guess the, the difference between Mr. Carlsen and, uh, and, and Kim Kardashian is that... Uh, Carlson actually uh, had created a business uh, called, um, I think it's called, no, he sold it to chess.com. I think it was called Magnus Carlson, but he's just sold his business to chess.com. It's a chess training business uh, for, for around $100 million. Uh, it turns out there's actually quite a bit of cheating goes on uh, in chess, Matt. Um, and not and, just on the board. And not just, yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's online. Of course, most of the cheating seems to have been uh, carried out by men, just to say that. Um, and um, I, I was kind of intrigued, and I guess a lot of people were, became interested in in chess again during COVID because there wasn't a lot else to do. And, and the also, brilliant TV series, The Queen's Gambit. The Queen's Gambit, Gambit amazing, uh, set in the in, in the wonderful city of Lexington uh, in, uh, in in Kentucky. Um, but I always wonder why those stories come out. Is somebody just really very interested in uh, in chess, and so they want to make this thing for their entire life? Or is it reflective of a wider cultural move? It turns out, Matt, that chess, Andy Dell, Matt, Matt Andy Dell, that uh, this chess thing has been going on for some time. And in fact, the Queen's Gambit was a reflection of a cultural movement. Uh, and Last word to you, Nisadell. 
Oh, well, I've just been loving reading this story. If you want a little bit of entertainment, I'd say go Google this because there's just, there's so much kind of backstabbing and um, like the characters involved are, it seems apparently because playing chess at that level is so stressful, they, they're like rock stars. They, they all have to go and completely self-medicate afterwards or they're all cheating with each other's um, girlfriends and boyfriends. And um, it's, it really is kind of um, dramatic. And yet it all seems to have um, gone under, under the radar for most of us. Oh, who well, I'd imagine um, it's another TV drama series is probably likely to come out of this one. Ben. Yeah. We're out of time. Adele Coffey, author, thank you very much for joining us from Galway. And Damien McLaughlin, Professor of Marketing at UCD Smurf at Business School. The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Weekdays from 4.30. Today, FM.